you are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I am your host, Connor Newcomb, and on today's episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast, we're going to give you the five things you need to know from the Orioles' 4-3 walk-off victory in 10 innings over the New York Yankees from Thursday afternoon that allowed the Orioles to split the four-game set with New York before they head to Oakland. And speaking of Oakland, we're also going to preview the three-game series coming up in Oakland this weekend between the Orioles and the Athletics. Of course, the A's came in, took two of three at Camden Yards last weekend, but the O's did snap the Oakland 13-game winning streak as well, and we will talk about the pitching matchups and the game matchups over the weekend as well. And then uh, coming up right at the end, we are going to preview what is coming up on the pod next week. It is a big week here on Locked on Orioles next week, our minor league preview week as the minor league season starts on Tuesday for the Orioles' four full-season affiliates, the Norfolk Tides, the Bowie Bay Sox, Aberdeen Ironbirds, and Delmarva Shorebirds, and we will talk about what to expect from our preview episodes all of next week. So that's all coming up right here on this episode of the Locked on Orioles podcast, which is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app and join me next week, next Thursday afternoon, to get in on the action and talk Orioles along with me and other O's fans as well. That's at the Locker Room app, changing the way we talk sports. So first and foremost, the Orioles coming off a victory. They win it 4-3 to in 10 innings over the New York Yankees, splitting the four-game series. Of course, that was after a 7-0 loss in Game 3 on Wednesday night. No episode on Thursday to break that one down. But honestly, really not much to break down. You know, Dean Kramer wasn't great. The Orioles' offense didn't show up at all. Um, Trey Mancini got his 500th career hit. That's about it. Orioles lost 7-0 on Wednesday. But we want to focus on the win on Thursday. Again, the O's split the series, and they get to 11-14. and on the season through the first 25 games. That is the same record as the New York Yankees so far this year. The two tied for fourth in the AL East. And of course, the Orioles win it on the walk-off sack fly from Cedric Mullins in the bottom of the 10th, scoring Ramon Arias for the Orioles' second walk-off win of the season. Even though it was a sack fly, the walk-off's always fun, and they're always even more fun when they come against the Yankees. But five things you need to know from the Orioles' victory on Thursday... And the first thing that you need to know is we might be getting closer and closer to the Orioles moving on from Jorge Lopez, at least in a starting capacity. Now, we saw the duality of Jorge Lopez once again here in this start. It was very similar to what we saw from him a couple of weeks ago in that Friday night start he had in Texas against the Rangers. If you think back to that one, you know, he had a no-hitter through four innings in that game, and then he gave up back-to-back solo home runs in the fifth, and then he was out of the game after five. Similar thing happened again today. Jorge Lopez, he had given up some base runners. He wasn't cruising as much through four innings. He had, you know, gotten out of a couple of jams, but he had pitched four scoreless innings against a good Yankee lineup to start the day. Then he comes back out there in the fifth, allows a hit, and walks a batter, all of a sudden there are two on and nobody out, and he is out of the game. Lopez's final line, two runs on four hits over four innings, three strikeouts, two walks, 79 pitches thrown. Again, he did face two batters in the fifth, but did not record an out. Adam Pletko had to come in, um, did allow those two runs to score, but uh, didn't allow any further damage. Uh, But Jorge Lopez, you know, it's so interesting because, you know, he seems like he has 
the the good stuff to to be a good starting pitcher. That's what the Brewers, the Royals, and and now the Orioles have seen the three major league teams he has played for so far. And you know his stuff looks really good at times. You know he's got that sinker. You know he he topped down on the fastball uh, at ninety seven point one miles per hour today. Hit ninety seven for a couple of strikeouts in this one. The uh, the fastball, 32% CSW. The sinker, 32% CSW, called strike and whiff percentage. He had a 32% called strike and whiff percentage on the day overall. You know, it wasn't a really bad day. Uh, but his changeup, I think, is the pitch that that really makes him go. If he has that changeup working, which has good, you know, late movement down and away from lefties, it plays off his fastball because his fastball has kind of that similar natural movement. The issue for Lopez is he can't locate the changeup well, and he doesn't get enough swings and misses on it. He threw 13 changeups today. Only three of them were either called strikes or swings and misses. He got one called strike. He got two swings and misses on the changeup out of 13 pitches. That is not good. That is not what you want if you are Jorge Lopez. And that changeup is kind of the equalizer because he, if he can go sinker changeup and then toss in that knuckle curve every once in a while, he can be a good pitcher. But he's so erratic with the changeup that ball gets hit pretty hard sometimes. And you know, even Jim Palmer talked about it on the Masson broadcast today about how important that changeup is for Lopez. And you know, it's just not there. And if it's not going to be there, I would not say at this point I don't think it's time at all to DFA Jorge Lopez because he's shown these you know three or four inning spurts. I think Lopez could be really good in a similar role to what Adam Pletko is pitching in right now for the Orioles. Again, Pletko pitches very well out of the bullpen today. Two and a third scoreless, a strikeout, a walk, and three hits allowed. His ERA down to 1.20. I think we could see maybe Jorge Lopez in kind of a long reliever slash Pletko role. And, you know, Tyler Wells just kind of sticks as your, you know, longer mop-up man in the bullpen. And Lopez, you know, can maybe get some high leverage situations. And with that fastball getting to 97, if he's a reliever, maybe it goes up to 98, 99 with that movement. I think he could be a good relief pitcher. I think that could be his role. I'm not saying it's DFA time, but I think we might be getting closer and closer to him losing a rotation spot. Uh, once uh, Keegan Aiken's finger heals and Zach Lowther gets a couple of AAA starts in, uh, you know, they're going to be knocking on the door for a rotation spot. And right now, you know, Lopez would be the, the first to go. So that's definitely something to keep an eye on. Second thing you need to know uh, from the Orioles win on Thursday is Trey Mancini is finally, finally really heating up at the plate. He had two hits in the loss on Wednesday. Then he gets three hits in the win on Thursday. Three for four with a home run, two RBIs, and a run scored. He's up to 247 on the batting average with a 773 OPS on the season. All of a sudden, that OPS, second best on the team now for Mancini, only trailing Cedric Mullins, of course, in that category. Uh, but he had had a hit in five straight at bats. Uh, leading up to his sixth-inning solo homer off of Jordan Montgomery, which tied the game at two to lead off the sixth and forced Montgomery out of the game for the Yankees on Thursday. Trey continues to hit the ball hard. Two of his three hits were hard-hit balls on the day, um, and he just he just continues to come through. You know, he had an RBI single in the first inning and then had the solo home run in the sixth. Those were the two RBIs, and, you know, he's looking good right in the middle of that Oriole order. And, you know, it was great to obviously see him just on the field to start the year, but now that he's starting to heat up, this is feeling better and better for Trey Mancini. Third thing you need to know from the Orioles' win Thursday is that the combination of Mullins and Hayes in the outfield needs to happen every day no matter who is healthy. Now, we know the Orioles still haven't had that group of all five outfielders healthy yet, you know, between Hayes, Mullins, 
Mount Castle, Santander, and DJ Stewart. They haven't had that whole crew, you know, really healthy at all uh, throughout this season. At some point, you're going to have to add Yuzniel Diaz to that mix. Ryan McKenna, you know, has snuck in there a little bit. But, you know, when Cedric Mullins and Austin Hayes are healthy, the two need to be in the lineup every single day. Mullins with a one for three today with an RBI. Uh, he drew a walk, uh, scored two runs, of course, had the walk-off sack fly. And then Austin Hayes, you know, the two of them combined to give the Orioles the lead in the eighth inning on Thursday. Cedric Mullins leads off the eighth as he draws a walk against Darren O'Day. And then Austin Hayes rips a double into the gap in left center. And with Mullins' speed, he's able to score from first to give the Orioles a 3-2 to two lead in the eighth inning. And that combination of those two is very exciting to watch. Of course, Mullins up to 340 with the batting average now this year. And I do like Mullins in center. And, you know, Hayes can play either left or right. I like him in left right now. He's showing off the arm as well, obviously, at times. And uh, these two just need to be in the outfield together every day. And I'm saying even when Santander comes back from his injury in a couple weeks, they still need to be out there. And if that means, you know, Santander is in right, Hayes is in left, and then, you know, in center, you have Cedric Mullins. I don't know how you figure out the rest of it between Mountcastle, Mancini, and Stewart, but uh, these two need to be in there every single day. And, and that's, that's how it kind of looks uh, to me at this point. Fourth thing you need to know from the Orioles' win on Thursday is that Ryan Mountcastle, although you know the batting average is still sitting at 184 on the season, the swings are starting to look a whole lot better over the last couple of days. Mountcastle had a hit in the loss Wednesday. He had a hit again in the win on Thursday, had a single and a one for four, did strike out twice, but you know his single was a hard hit ball as well. He hit a couple of balls hard. Um, on the day was robbed of a second hit on an incredible diving catch by Clint Frazier in right field. So really should have been a two hit day for Mountcastle. Even in the ninth inning when a Aroldis Chapman struck him out, he had a really good at bat, fouled off, you know, three or four really tough pitches with two strikes against Chapman, took some really good cuts that he fouled off against a hundred miles an hour from a Aroldis and uh, looked pretty confident at the plate. You know, he's hitting the ball harder, still hitting into outs, but he's hitting the ball a lot harder. And uh, Ryan Mountcastle just looks a lot, lot better at the plate and you know the Orioles said the other day they're not going to send him down to Bowie they're going to let him work through it at the major league level it already looks like he's starting to maybe swing back upwards a little bit at the plate and all we can hope for is that that upswing continues for Mountcastle and he gets at least close back to what his production was in 2020 for the Orioles because with the way this lineup is struggling they need him to figure it out at the plate but the fifth and final thing you need to know from Thursday's win is that the Oriole bullpen continues to be the most surprising and basically the best group by far on this Orioles team. Let me run it down for you. Adam Pletko, he relieves Jorge Lopez in the fifth inning. His final line, two and a third, no runs, three hits, a strikeout, and a walk. Pletko ends up allowing a base runner with one away in the seventh. He leaves the game. In comes Travis Lakins. Lakins able to roll a double play. Only throws six pitches, but goes two-thirds of an inning scoreless. Paul Fry comes in in the eighth. He has been locked down. Now, let me give you the ERAs first of all. Adam Pletko, ERA now 1.20. Travis Lakins, zero ERA. Still hasn't given up an earned run. Paul Fry comes in, continues to dominate. Strikes out Aaron Judge on three pitches. He pitches a scoreless eighth inning after a leadoff walk. He gets the next three batters, including two strikeouts. His ERA, .96 on the year. Cesar Valdez comes in. Cesar Valdez probably had his worst outing 
of the season. You know, he he walked two guys in the inning. Uh, he gives up the game-tying RBI double uh, by Glaber Torres that tied the game at three in the ninth. He blows the save, but he still got two strikeouts, still struck out Stanton, still only gave up the one hit. And honestly, you know, he didn't have command, and he still got through it. His ERA is still 1.54. Then you have Tanner Scott, who pitched the top of the 10th, of course, with the runner on second. Uh, Tyler Wade couldn't get the bunt down, and then he was able to get key outs. He gets Aaron Hicks to ground out, and then he strikes out Mike Ford to end the inning after an intentional walk. Scott's ERA down to 2.53 after a scoreless inning. This bullpen continues to be the best part of this Orioles team. It is really, really fun to watch these guys. You know, even the guys like Lakins and Salser, who weren't initially, you know, part of this bullpen, they've both stepped in. Neither of those guys have given up an earned run this year. It's just been really, really fun to watch. And the Orioles win on Thursday was fun to watch. Yankees had, you know, a lot of runners on base. Orioles blew the save in the ninth, but they came back from it. They won the game in the 10th. Cedric Mullins walk off sack fly. Orioles win four to three and 10. They split the four game series with the Yankees and are now 11 and 14 on the season. So next up for the O's, they head to Oakland this weekend for a three-game series against the Athletics. And when we come back from this break, we will preview the pitching matchups and everything that will go down between the O's and the A's at the Coliseum this weekend. Again, that's after this break. So we will get to our Orioles Athletics series preview in just a second. But first, got to tell you about Sports Trade. Have you guys heard about Sports Trade? It's where fantasy sports meets the stock market. This is amazing. Sports Trade takes fantasy to the next level. It's like Robinhood for fantasy sports. Their platform allows you to buy and sell shares in your favorite players, just like real stocks. Finally, a fair and exciting way to cash in on your knowledge of sports. And they just added the baseball to the platform, so check it out today. Making money with sports trade is simple, as players' value rises and fall based on two factors. One, their statistical performance in each game as compared to their projected fantasy points in that game. The more points scored, the higher their value goes. And two, good old supply and demand, baby. The more demand a player has, the higher their value goes. When you're ready to buy shares, pick a penny stock in a rookie with huge upside or grab that blue chip vet who's always a solid performer. You can instantly buy and sell as many shares in as many players as you like, just like the stock market. Then watch your players battle and your portfolio value rise. Simply go to sportstrade.com, watch the How It Works video, and then sign up to get started. Again, sign up today at sportstrade.com and discover the fun, exciting, and profitable new world of sports trading. This is truly the evolution of fantasy sports. You'll be amazed. Don't sit on the sidelines any longer. Get in on the game at sportstrade.com. And this episode of the Locked on Orioles podcast is also brought to you by 1010 a capsule collection of diamond rings that are responsibly sourced, limited edition designs at fair price points. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 creative styles of diamond rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Rings sure to bring joy into her life. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 female design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful ring. Ideal for engagement, Mother's Day, or simply a beautiful conversation piece, they're the perfect way to bring light into her life. They're available now through Mother's Day only on BlueNile.com. Just search the words 10 by 10 This collection features high-quality fine jewelry that will surprise and delight, and it's fairly priced, so you can give her something special and truly meaningful. I checked these out, and I'm blown away by the beautiful, simple ring from Lola Fenhurst. If you're on the hunt for the perfect, unique ring she'll treasure forever, you're definitely going to want to check this out. They won't be around for long, so find them now by searching the words 10 by 10 only at BlueNile.com. 
So the Orioles take down the Yankees again, 4-3. to three. The Cedric Mullins walk-off sack fly. They are now 11-14 and 14 on the year as they split the four-game set with New York. And next up, no days off for the Orioles. They go right to Oakland for a West Coast trip starting tonight against the Athletics. Three games in Oakland Friday through Sunday this weekend. It starts with the Friday night game. It is a 9.40 p.m. Eastern time start, so uh, make a little coffee and stay up for some Orioles baseball. John Means, though, is going to get the start for the O's. And, of course, John Means, he was the one who uh, played a big part in ending Oakland's 13-game winning streak last Sunday when the O's beat the A's 8-1 to to uh, take the third of that three-game series after the A's had won the first two games. Of course, Means on the season, a 1.50 ERA in five starts, 29 Ks in 30 innings. And his start against Oakland last week, six and a third, one run on two hits, six Ks and three walks in the Orioles' victory. If the O's get something like that again from John Means, which is what they've been getting, they are going to feel pretty, pretty good. Now, they are going to go up against the 35-year-old right-hander Mike Fires, who is making the start in Friday night's game, and he is making his 2021 season debut. Missed, you know, it turned out to be about five starts on the injured list to start the year, but Fires back out there for the Athletics. Fires made 11 starts for the A's in 2020, had a 4.58 ERA, 37 strikeouts in 59 innings of work for the A's back in 2020. His last full season in 2019, he had a 3.90 ERA in about 185 innings that season. Of course, Fires at 35 coming off injury, you know, doesn't have the same stuff he used to have in his younger days, but you'll see the fastball slider changeup and curveball from Fires. Uh, he likes to use that slider a whole lot. You know, he almost throws it as much as his fastball, uh, which is his top pitch uh, from Fires last season. On the mound, you know, he threw the the slider almost as much as the fastball, but uh, that four-seamer, you know, it's it's averaging about 88 miles an hour right now. You know, he's not going to throw much harder than maybe 90 at this point in his career. He's going to use deception, use that slider a lot, try and drop that changeup in on you, and uh, really try and, and sink the ball a bit with his fastball as well. Uh, in Fire's career, of course, the... Orioles have seen him uh, many times as well. He's made five starts against the Orioles in his career, has a 1.93 career ERA against Baltimore. That is his second best ERA against any one team. Five starts, 32 and two-thirds innings, just seven runs allowed, 32 Ks to six walks. He has dominated the O's in his career. Hopefully Baltimore can turn that around in the Friday game. On Saturday, luckily for us East Coast Orioles fans, it's only one night game. Uh, in this series. The Saturday game is a 4.07 p.m. Eastern time start. Matt Harvey will take the mound for the Orioles. Of course, Harvey five starts, a 4.26 ERA on the season. Coming off his best start of the year uh, when he threw a pretty good day of six innings against the Yankees this week. He did not get to face Oakland last weekend, but uh, Harvey will take the hill. He will go against the left-hander Jesus Lozardo, the 23-year-old, who the Orioles saw in the Sunday start uh, against the Birds in Baltimore. For Lozardo this season, a 5-4-0 ERA in five starts, but he did pitch pretty well against the Orioles. Uh, he did go six and two-thirds innings, allowing three runs on seven hits, eight Ks, and two walks on Sunday. Orioles will try to get to him a little bit more than they did last start. Then Sunday, once again, it's also a 4.07 p.m. Eastern time start. Bruce Zimmerman will go for the Orioles, the left-hander 
uh, will pitch uh, against the A's in this one. For Zimmerman, last time we saw him out against the Yankees, just three and two-thirds, four runs on nine hits allowed. Uh, he's gotten hit around a little bit in his last couple starts. He's got a 5-3-3 ERA in his first five starts. He'll face Oakland for the first time in his career, and he will go up against Sean Manaya, who the Orioles also did not see in the series last weekend. Of course, Manaya, the 29-year-old left-hander who has a 2.83 ERA through five starts this season. His last start was against Tampa on Monday. He allowed one run over five innings and struck out six. Uh, Manaya has come back from injury and looked really, really good this year. Only a three-pitch guy. Throws the sinker, the changeup, and the curveball. Throws that sinker over 60% of the time, and then 25% changeups. He can really turn into a two-pitch pitcher at times, uh, but it really works out for him. Sinker around 91-92, and then he'll drop in that change from the left side. Uh, he is going to be definitely a tough matchup for the O's. But as you may know, Sean Manaya only has one career start against Baltimore. Actually kind of uh, surprising since, you know, he's been in the league for a little while now. He has one career start against the Orioles. It came back in August of 2017. It came in Oakland in a 12-5 Orioles win in which the Orioles shelled Manaya. He only recorded one out in the game. He allowed six runs on six hits, no strikeouts, one walk. He left in the first inning, only recording again that one out. Uh, he is trying to now here, almost four years later, avenge that one awful start against the Orioles. Uh, with the way he's pitched this year and the way his stuff has looked since returning from injury, I will uh, guarantee he will get through at least the first inning if there is not injury for Manaya and probably will give up less than six runs. But uh, hopefully the Oriole offense can turn it around this weekend. As far as the Athletics offense goes, and Oakland just in general here lately, of course, they took two of three from the Orioles over the weekend, but the O's did snap their 13-game winning streak on Sunday. Since then, Oakland took on Tampa Bay in a four-game series, and they won two of four games at the Trop. Really struggled to score, though. In those four games, they only combined to score eight runs in the four games. The two wins were 2-1 two to one and 3-2, to two, so the offense scuffling a little bit. Matt Olson, their big power-hitting first baseman, was a late scratch from Thursday's lineup, so we'll see if he is back in the lineup for the A's. But that's how things look for the three-game set between the Orioles and the Athletics this weekend. So we're going to take one more break here, and we come back. We're going to preview what's up next for next week here on the podcast. And it is the Minor League Preview Week on the pod. We've got some exciting episodes coming up, and we'll tell you about that after this break. So we will get back to the Orioles talk in just a second, but first got to tell you about Built Bar. That's the new and improved Built Bar with the six new flavors, including caramel brownie and cookies and cream, just to name a few. But it has to go along with those 12 OG flavors. Wouldn't be Built Bar without the original flavors like peanut butter, banana bread, salted caramel, double chocolate, and many, many more. But the Built Bars are healthy. That's the best part. They taste delicious, just like eating a candy bar but they're good for you as well. Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high in protein, and high in fiber. Just take a look at the cookies and cream bar. Okay, it's got 17 grams of protein, just 130 calories, only four grams of sugar, and four grams of net carbs. You're not gonna find a more delicious bar that's good for you like there anywhere else. So if you're interested in getting your hands on these Built Bars, go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built Bar. 
Orioles.com. So the Orioles will take on the Oakland Athletics this weekend in Oakland for a three-game series. And then the West Coast trip will continue for the O's after that. They will leave Oakland after the Sunday afternoon game and then we'll head to Seattle for three games Monday through Wednesday of next week for an off day and then back home to take on the Red Sox for four next weekend. But coming up on the podcast next week, of course, when we're back Monday, we will recap all three games of the series between Oakland and Baltimore, give the three big takeaways from the weekend series when we are back here on Monday's episode. But then after that, for the rest of the week, I'm not going to do too much recapping of those games in Seattle. Orioles play at 10 p.m. Eastern time, Monday and Tuesday in Seattle, then a day game at 3.40 on Wednesday. We might touch on the games a little bit, but next week is our big Orioles minor league preview week here on the pod. Now, it will start a little late. It will start Tuesday because Monday will be the weekend recap episode. But starting on Tuesday, we're going to do one episode per day of the Orioles' four full-season minor league affiliates, previewing each of those affiliates and their seasons which again do start on Tuesday. That's May 4th, Tuesday night, the 2021 minor league baseball season starts. And again, the first minor league baseball we'll be seeing since the end of the 2019 season. So the previews will start. We will go from top to bottom. So we will preview the AAA Norfolk Tides on Tuesday's episode. Nick Stevens, who is one of the co-hosts of the BSL On The Verge podcast, covering all things Orioles minor leagues, who has been on this pod a couple of times before. Nick will join us. He lives down in the Virginia area, is a Norfolk Tides season ticket holder, has been to countless games at Harbor Park, and uh, covers the Tides pretty closely. He will join us to uh, preview what that roster will look like. We have a pretty good sense of what it will look like because we know it'll be mostly the guys that are at the alternate site in Bowie right now. That's what Mike Elias has said. Uh, but we will talk with Nick about what a rotation could look like, maybe what a starting lineup could look like, and which of those guys will be on their way to Baltimore first this season. Then on Wednesday, we will take a look at the AA Bowie Bay Sox and Adam Pohl, the radio play-by-play voice of the Bay Sox for years now, who has been on this pod a couple of times, will join us to preview Bowie's AA season. Of course, they had a fantastic 29 season, but all those guys who won for them in 2019 are either in AAA or are already killing it in the majors at this point for the Orioles. So it'll be kind of a brand new look for Bowie. We'll talk about, you know, will Grayson Rodriguez, D.L. Hall, and Adley Rutschman, the Orioles' top three prospects, all be in Bowie this year. Uh, that's just some of the stuff we'll get to with Adam Pohl on Wednesday. Then on Thursday, unfortunately for the Aberdeen Ironbirds, who have moved up from short season to the Orioles' high-A full-season affiliate now, unfortunately Aberdeen has decided, I believe, to go with no radio broadcaster this year. They will not have a radio broadcast. They will apparently still have an MILB.TV feed, uh, but it will just be video with Nat Sound, no broadcaster. Very disappointing decision there made by Aberdeen. But we will still preview them uh, with Bob Fallon, who is another one of the co-hosts of the BSL on the Verge podcast covering the Orioles minor leagues and uh, Bob's going to join us to preview that Aberdeen team which will be really interesting because a lot of that really successful Delmarva rotation and pitching staff in general from 2019 could be in Aberdeen this year at least to start the season so we will talk about that and then we finish it up on Friday we will talk with the brand new play-by-play voice of the Delmarva Shorebirds the Orioles 
low A full season affiliate as Sam Jelinek, who was with the Shorebirds a couple of years ago as a broadcasting assistant, has just been hired as the Shorebirds Director of Broadcasting and Communications. And Sam is going to join the pod for the first time as we will preview Delmarva's 2021 season and which of the you know new draftees, the 2019 and 2020 draft picks, a lot of those guys could be in Delmarva to start the year, making that Shorebirds team a really, really exciting team. And the big news for Delmarva, for the first time this year in 2021, they will stream all of their home games live on MILB.TV. So we'll get to watch the Shorebirds at home as well, which is just a great, great thing for the Orioles minor league system. So that is all coming up next week, starting Tuesday, for our minor league preview week as the Orioles start their minor league season on Tuesday night. So a couple more things before we go and head into the weekend. Uh, One thing got to tell you about another podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network before you go. Today on the Locked On Today podcast, is Cam Newton still the planet quarterback for the New England Patriots? Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your pods. Then a little bit of roster news before we go from the Orioles. Remember, they DFA'd Wade LeBlanc a couple of days ago after his rough start Saturday. Uh, it made room for Zach Lowther on the roster. Uh, LeBlanc has cleared waivers on his DFA, but decided he did not want to accept a demotion to AAA. He has elected free agency. So the veteran lefty Wade LeBlanc is currently a free agent. Uh, I doubt he signs with anybody else. I think if he pitches uh, in affiliated baseball this year, it might be back with the Orioles at some point, uh, but we will see. But LeBlanc is officially a free agent. So that will do it for today's episode. Enjoy the Orioles baseball in Oakland this weekend. Again, we'll be back on Monday to give the three big takeaways and recap the weekend and then start our minor league preview week on the pod next week. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.